Hey guys, another episode of Magnolia House Podcast. Try not to be uh, too nervous or fucked up. I got an eye issue right now. That's why we're, we're two douchebags wearing sunglasses. So it's not the only reason. It's super sunny right now. <laughs> yeah, outside. <laughs> yeah, outside. Um, I got some light sensitivity it's too. So, so sunny outside. We have to wear yeah, sunglasses yeah. inside. But it's like God. Well, it's, it doesn't seem any. Br- Isn't that weird? That it can get hotter, but not any necessarily any brighter. But I know that's like a yeah yeah no. But if you think about it, yeah, I mean, because you think about the sun, the sun is what's causing the heat, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's not. I guess it's not just the sun too. It's the air and the yeah. The, you know the but amount of sun that gets through the ozone and all the stuff and all the things. My but. dad was telling me yesterday that he, I, th- I think he was saying like Canada's like in the mid one twenties or something like that. I heard certain places are like, like yeah, like one the, tw- even on like the, the world is the on coast. fire right now. Yeah, that's so insane. It's but I. I, I what is the difference like what is is it climate change i think it's is just it? like yeah i mean the climate is just such like a so many systems happening at once yeah. right that i think it's like all of a sudden there's this like confluence of events that have just been triggered and now it's like heat wave and i'm know. just wondering if this is going to be a normal thing you know i mean i don't know i, don't, I mean like and, this isn't too out of the norm i feel like for a place like here where it does get really hot yeah. but like the fact that seattle is about as bad as yeah. it is here and but then, then like, also they got snow this winter this last winter. sure yeah but i mean that's again the climate thing and not necessarily yeah. it's just like but do, does seattle normally get snow uh i don't know i mean it snows but not like buckets or i mean not like yeah a, yeah know, yeah inches it was inches, fucking but. bad the other year like yeah. a year or two ago yeah um but yeah, one of the things I was talking to you about when I texted you was the idea that because we've been we've been having religious discussions mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, all that a lot of discussions, but <laughs> and uh, yeah, and also I want to I've been looking into getting an astronomer on because I think that'd be so cool. Mm-hmm. But I texted you about the idea of stars being ghosts, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which it's it's kind of maybe a cool... you can just explain what you with the thought. You yeah, had was... because essentially, like the the light from stars gets takes so long to reach us that by right. by the time it does reach us the star that emitted that light is long since dead. Yeah. Um, and we've been talking about ghosts a lot lately and supernatural experiences. Yeah. And it might've started with interstellar. Yes. There's a little bit of a ghost theme. In yeah. That. But it also, yeah, but I you think that also, is what triggered it. But also Clem was talking about her mm. ghost experiences and I can't not put ghost experiences. And in you just get triggered. Quotes. You just get well, triggered when people talk. I know about I ghosts. do, but it, 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 to me, it just seems, I know you can't start from the position of, position of like I'm right, <laughs> but in I do feel like I'm right when I say I don't think there is anything supernatural. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Okay, I think there is zero supernatural anything in this universe. Uh-huh. It just doesn't seem. And if there is anything like that, do you not think that anything that interfaces with our reality, with enough knowledge? could be explained by science uh, so i think that science has the ability to explain anything but again like i was saying the other night that like science also consider like it, it has to have a structure to it so yeah. anything that is an outlier in its in its schema yeah is considered like uh, an anomaly and then isn't isn't part or of the data yet set. to be explained though right yeah exactly or yet it's, to it's, be it's understood. like it's like yeah like our schema does not account for this so we assume it's like an aberration until we yeah. can until we can broaden our knowledge base to include that within it yeah but and and, and if yeah. but if i were to if i were to experience anything supernatural or anything like that mm-hmm. i would accept it as a part of our reality and therefore a, something potentially to be understood by science 
Yeah. 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 And I think everything could be understood by science. But again, like in my opinion, science is top down. So it has its schema and explains yeah. things within this, the that language weird. that it has. Uh, it's, it's always weird when you say it's top down, though. Yeah. It's bottom up. It's like start from. I think I think like science, the scientific frame of mind is bottom up and that you're yeah, trying to observe formulas, things yeah. and then build a schema off of that. But once you have that structure, again, like the Newtonian uh, yeah. perception of physics versus the quantum perception of physics, it has to like the Newtonian perception of physics doesn't account for like quantum like yeah, uh, yeah. events or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So then you have to create a structure that then accounts for all that. Yeah, which we've like, yet to do, right? We, we, to we, combine we have, them. We have, well, no, no, no. I mean, once you blow up quantum events, they start to look more Newtonian. Newtonian yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. like, it's just, it's just a different level, huh. right? And it's just at that point, and now we're at, I don't even know where we're at now. I don't know enough about science, but like we seem to pretty well understand the quantum level of things to a degree, mm-hmm. not necessarily an application, but I think in Well, there's in that quote that says, if you think you understand quantum physics, you yeah, don't. <laughs> sure. But like there's, there is a schema there and then everything is explained by that schema. Yeah. And that's how it's top down. So we have the structure and then we just use that to explain everything in mm-hmm. our experience. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. But when that you were sense. saying, what did you just say? Um, Stars? No, something you said made me think about, oh, how like anything that happens in the world can be explained by science, right? Yes, it or always could potentially of, be explained sure. by science. It always makes me think of the like neurological, biochemical processes yeah. that we use to explain things. And like when somebody says, you know, like, oh, like I'm feeling happy, yeah. right? Like that's a intelligible sentence that we all understand. Yeah. Like we all know what happiness is to a degree and, and maybe mm-hmm. it differs a little bit, but like. Happiness um, is cocaine. Well, I mean, it could be for some people, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what a scientist might say is, oh, your dopamine levels are yeah. are spiking. Yeah. Right? And that's a scientific way of explaining it, but I don't think it gets you any more explanation than just saying, I feel happy. Yeah. yeah. Right? And like... But do you think a sufficiently advanced species that could analyze every nuance of human existence, do you think they could fully understand that in a deeper degree the whole dopamine thing yeah like our body chemistry everything our our social interactions all of that i just wonder what what it gets you it almost just when you say like when you talk about dopamine unless you're talking about maybe a false sense of happiness versus more authentic or natural sense Mm -hmm. of happiness maybe there's some use there but otherwise it just seems like you're using scientific language to explain something that doesn't need to be explained scientifically yeah so and and again do you not feel ghosts need to be explained scientifically like like, well when you said that thing about how stars you know you you could accept the word ghost used yeah. for like yeah. you know and to me a ghost star. would be like some kind of non-tangible remnant of a once real existence but what do you mean by non-tangible Cause but, but yeah i guess in light would be it's observable yeah it's right? observable or ex- you can yeah, experience yeah. it in some way but what when people speak of ghosts mm-hmm. what is a ghost it's somebody died right and some part of them is still here. So here's where I think you get hung up because uh-huh. when you said that about the star, I, I, my response was like, well, yeah, I agree with you because the, yeah. the term ghost just isn't a scientific yeah. word. Yeah. And I think you get caught up on the definition of ghost as yeah. if like there is a, there's like a set a standard. Yeah. Like yeah. this is what a ghost is in like a, some way you can like nail it down yeah. in a scientific term that like isn't ex- explicable like any other way. Yeah. And like the, you know, the ghost hunter stuff where they have like EMF readers and like all, all that started. business. I think that's an attempt to like quantify make money. the experience. Well, it's no, an attempt no, to make money. That is, no, <laughs> no, I mean that, that whole show is for yeah. sure. But like, 
I was like, yeah. Bigfoot. <laughs> give it a break, guys. What do you mean, Bigfoot? <laughs> the, the, every Bigfoot show. Oh, maybe yeah. some people do believe. Some people really do. Yeah, believe. No, people do really believe. And but, I think, and I think that whole experience, there is, I would say, like psychologically, there is just a need for there for people there to be mystery. Yeah. out there. Yeah, and um, I, I, ha- I definitely have that need. Like when I was a kid, and I should probably get back into this stuff, but like, not necessarily this stuff I'm about to name, but like I was so into like recently found ancient shipwrecks and Hmm. the Bermuda Triangle and all and like uncovered ancient civilizations and all that mystery is yeah is so cool but it's real it's not it's not ghosts (laughs) well I mean so like I I think I used to like really like be all about the ghost hunter thing one of my favorite shows was like the ghost hunter show on sci-fi channel or whatever it was on um Oh, like, were, did, were you actively believing they were actually looking for ghosts? I don't think yeah. there's a single one that is a TV show uh-huh. that is really... Well, I think the way I rationalized it then was that, like, these were people who had their own mysterious experiences with the quote-unquote supernatural. Yeah. And just so don't forget it when you're saying that, too. I have definitely thought about the fact that the word supernatural is literally just the word supernatural yeah. experience. Yeah. Like, it's like a... Shouldn't it be, like, supranatural? I think supernatural would maybe be... a better way it's like it's like beyond natural oh okay um, supernatural i I would think it'd be like really natural like a fucking rock well i think that's what supernatural kind of gives the sense of that it's just like a like natural experience that goes beyond yeah almost our goes to our limit but i think supernatural i don't know i don't don't even know what supra means i don't know yeah i don't know prefixes in latin enough to to i don't know maybe we shouldn't say (laughs) (laughs) but i've definitely thought about the fact that we just call it supernatural yeah and like for me the experience of ghosts for people is like a very psychological one yeah um but when i watched those shows i think i rationalized it by thinking like the the one i watched which was like it was called ghost hunters Mm. um you know it's the atlantic paranormal society and it was a really good show and the people there were, were like they were pretty down to earth Mm-hmm. Um, they were like plumbers in the daytime and then like they did ghost hunting at night or something like that. Shoot, but Bill, <laughs> this plumbing ain't making us enough money. We should make a ghost show. <laughs> well, they didn't sound like that. That's what I imagined. That's how some of them sound nowadays. <laughs> but, um, but like their whole thing was like they had had supernatural experiences in their life. Yeah. And they went out and like they quote unquote went to disprove ghost occurrences. Yeah. So they would go and there'd be episodes where they'd be like, they would basically be trying to debunk everything. Yeah. And like, so they have a hundred percent success rate and all, the, and all they would do is be like, <laughs> yeah, like these, this is like the, what we collected. This is the video audio stuff we collected. Yeah. And like, these are the things we just can't explain. Yeah. Everything else we are able to explain. And there've been some episodes where it's like, Oh, like these people were clearly just lying to us yeah. or like we were able to kind of debunk everything that, these people were claiming Mm -hmm. based on what was happening in there and they were the like they were one of the only ghost shows i feel like i've ever seen where they like basically don't really they discount every like orb like light orb experience they see yeah because they're like but also it's like mostly um, it's just dust it's all everything is anecdotal like when they're going to check like yeah i saw a ghost tell me about it it's Mm -hmm. like i saw this uh instagram post that was um if you were a mad scientist that could do anything you want with no moral boundaries, mm-hmm. what is one uh, test that you would do? And this guy was oh, so cool. He's like, if I was an evil, a mad scientist and I didn't give a shit about human life, I would get 100 people or he said some number, 10 or 100, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I would uh, stop all their hearts. And then I would have a, before I did that, there would be a hidden 
um, sign, like a symbol or something that he puts on the floor. And then, he, uh, and it's hidden at first, and then he stops all their hearts. And he said, I'll, I'll wait a little bit and revive them. And those who had an out-of-body experience, oh, and then while, they're, while, while their heart while is stopped, out, he yeah. uncovers the sign. Okay. And he says, and if, and if out-of-body experiences are real, there should be a percentage of people who could come out of themselves and see it and remember it and bring it back. Right. And that's like a very, I think would be a solid test to see if, if, cause I, I think out of body experiences are real, mm -hmm. but I don't think they are exactly that. I don't think you're going out of body and I think it's strictly a chemical thing going on in your brain. Huh? I mean, so I think that it's gotta be a chemical thing. Like just because the way the world works, like everything that happens happens through the like medium of matter, mm -hmm. you know, which is chemical, any like thing that exists. Yeah. Um, and like, I'm sure there's matter we don't understand or have any, we can't see mm -hmm. or all that stuff. Right. And, um, but I think the conceit of that experiment is that, you know, what an out of body experience is like, yeah. and like, but so m most people describe an out of body experience as floating above their body. Like people mm -hmm. will have, um, near death experiences and be on an operating table and be like, yeah, I, I saw myself being operated on. I came out and, right. and I woke up and I have, I retained that memory. Um, so, and if that's the case, and I don't deny that you've experienced that, but I also experienced dreams. Were those dreams real? They I were mean, real in my mind. Right. Just as much as like, you know, there, a lot of people say if you have an encounter with, um, a spiritual being or a god or an entity like that when you're on tripping on mushrooms or something mm -hmm. that experiences rogan always talks about is like what is if you really experienced that in your mind and you and it changed you as a result of it what is the difference between that experience and actually having met a god right there's virtually no difference right exactly um but that doesn't mean it's real in a physical sense like this fucking table is but, real but that's again assuming that a God needs to be real in that physical sense. And a God can't be real just in the psychological, spiritual sense. Uh, for me, it does. For me, do you yeah. believe that people have a spirit of sorts? No, there's no essence to who you are. I think it's your brain. So there was some interview I was listening to. They asked that same question. He's like, mm -hmm. if, if you were to have a spirit, it would be your mind. Mm -hmm. If you if you affect any little, if you nudge any little part of your brain matter, it drastically affects your, your so, whole being. Okay. But what about the whole sense of the fact that like at any given moment, you're constantly physically a different person. Yeah. So is there anything that makes you Tony? But it's like, it's me, like, Alex, um, or is it just like you are, you are this matter state of Tony now, and then a different matter state of Tony later. And what I would, say and, and what would still, what would make you Tony in between those two matter states? Um, like the, the continuity. So like uh, Bill Nye had this, he was, he was describing evolution and he's like, it's like building a bike while it's moving. It's mm -hmm. like, and it, and it has to constantly, he, for this, for the evolutionary metaphor he was using or whatever, he was like, it has to still be functionally a bike. So it has right. to be, you can change one little screw or change out the handlebar, but it still has to be moving. And I think that's like a personality. It's like, you're always you, but by the end of switch, by the time you've switched out every single part of the bike, it's essentially a new bike, but the continuity is what of, of it, it being still is a bike. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you would still be a person, but what makes yeah. you Tony and not Frank? Yeah. Um, how come all of a sudden you don't change? How come we don't call you a different 
person. Oh, yeah. And like, I think to some degree, even in, in our natural way of talking about it, like we, we say that we are different people when, as we grow and age, yeah. but we still assume there is something there that connects us to yeah. our past. So I, again, like even if you take the ultra like physicalist matter, mm-hmm. like, like idea twins. of world, it's like, you can still say that like, what makes you Tony is the way you're put together, right? Yeah. It's the structure of the way you are put together versus the structure of anybody else. Yeah. Or just the uh, accumulation of experience that yeah. your body has gone through is what you can call Tony. And like, what's the, what's the issue of saying that structure is in some way your spirit? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I guess, I think yeah. it's still just the definition of the word. Yeah, and like, yeah, definitely. And like, but also I, if we're talking spirit, as in something that lingers after the body is gone. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, I don't. And I think another conceptualization of that could be, you know, the effect you've had on the outside world, be it your artwork right. or your family. Like, it's crazy. You know, we listen to Freddie Mercury mm-hmm. and his spirit essentially is still alive right. in this world exactly. because of his art he's that he's put out he, and yeah, the way he's the, affected. The stamp yeah. he's left on yeah. the world in yeah. some way or people. Or, and that's yeah. another lenient definition of the word spirit mm-hmm. um that i could vibe with but well um, it's a far cry from a ghost you know? well so one thing i want to say and then i kind of want to like pivot a little bit to the religion mm-hmm. stuff but um when you're saying that it makes me think of like you know people it's a very common experience from what i understand again i haven't met a lot of people but i've just heard that it's pretty common when a when a person loses their spouse mm-hmm. or their partner or someone really close to them in their life and they die it's not uncommon for them to continue to talk to, to talk that to person them, yeah. and like as if that person is there and to them it's a very like they are speaking to that person yeah. not just their idea of them in their head even though i would say also that it is just their own mind yeah. creating that thing but clearly it's left a big enough imprint that it almost functions autonomously and they yeah. can imagine what that person would say even if it disagrees with what they might think naturally mm-hmm. and like that is very much a ghost yeah and like people yeah. even report seeing the person or things like that and it's yeah. like how is that not a ghost right? they they like, might have a very people who actually see them might just have a very hyperactive visual sensory sure, right. imagination you and know? even if it's all in their head yeah. i think yeah. i think that that is something that like yeah. It just can point to the fact that people are more sensitive to to being impressioned or like, you know, carrying around that like energy or whatever from yeah. what they've experienced. But that's uh, that's quite a bit different than somebody telling me a ghost knocked over my flower vase or something, you know, like sure. that's that's and, and in that sense, I, I just don't think there's anything. Right. And I would say in certain cases, I think it's natural occurrences uh, like meeting up with like super like or like psychological like sensitivity so mm-hmm. um jung is really big on like synchronicity so yeah. like yeah when your mind is open to something and something happens that seems to line up with it in the world it's, it's like this, when you when you're thinking about calling somebody and and they call you right when you look at your phone right. they're calling you it, yeah it is yeah. a coincidence of sorts and he would call it a causal so they are not connected in the causal chain of events yeah but there is a coincidental like happenstance that shows some greater structure oh god so this is a real grotesque uh, example of that in a sense you remember i I went to use the bathroom because there's no bathroom at this posh studio um i went to mcdonald's Uh you know what you know what i'm bringing up uh uh, yeah you'll know in a second okay (laughs) so i i went to the mcdonald's as i do when i need to go to the bathroom because there's i use a again we have no bathroom here um and i'm taking a toozy 
And I get up, I go to wash my hands, and as I'm walking away, I notice like there's a trail behind me. And what do you know? I fucking stepped in human shit. Oh, yes. Human shit. And keep in mind, <laughs> the second time in two weeks at that same place. Oh God. Jesus Christ. So uh, safe to say I don't go there anymore. <laughs> um, but I was just <laughs> I was thinking about it. I was like, just my fucking luck. I was like, this this is how this went down. Some person that I have no connection to mm-hmm. sat down one day cooked a dinner maybe ate it walked around did their thing eventually ended okay it goes even deeper somebody grew some plants or something or an animal right that animal was eventually processed or the plants were processed and a human consumed it and then they ended up at a mcdonald's that i happened to go to shortly after right. them and it digested in their body. They didn't make it to the toilet for whatever fucking animalistic reason. Right. And that because shit. Because what they eating was terrible. And, yeah. <laughs> and their digested food was shit out and ended up on my shoe. Right. It's like. I think. I, I, I know that's a real. <laughs> no. Yeah. I think that's a. that that Actually, that experience, I think, ties together a lot of things. First of all, it's very mindful of you to think of it like that. Yeah. The, the connectedness of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> Like from beginning all the way to each experience. Yeah, but it goes even farther back. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. you could think about... You it, could, it's you could endless. All the way back to the to beginning the of the universe, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. <have you laughs> that's such a funny concept. It's like... If, if somebody was the there at the Big Bang, the, the start of the Big Bang, and it's like, this will eventually lead to... The climactic so moment is... <laughs> of totally this whole, stepping This whole universe shit. was created to, for someone to get revenge on you, so yeah. you step in some shit. That's some Douglas Adams shit. <laughs> yeah, Like that. That that guy who keeps getting reincarnated yeah. and murdered yep. and accidentally he killed always gets murdered by, by arthur Dent. arthur Dent. <laughs> yeah and he just fucking hates him like that his whole existence is i, I don't think i ever away. laughed harder reading a book when i read the part where they actually encounter each other mm-hmm. and he's just going through all the fucking ways that he's acting yeah to and arthur dent has no yeah he's like i don't know who you are. <laughs> it's like oh really you've only murdered me <laughs> in every single one of yeah. my lives yeah it is a sad thing. <laughs> but yeah, Adam is it's so, it is so great. Um, have you ever seen Watchmen? Yes. You you know the so scene good. where uh, is his name Doctor Manhattan? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, is it, yeah, yeah. Doctor Manhattan, um, the coolest comic book character is, ever. Yeah, He's like honestly, so cool. like such a good conception of a god. Like being, yeah, and so. Um, I mean, obviously, because he was made to be, but he's rational and like, mm-hmm. but also very empathic and yeah, it just yeah, he's essentially a god. Yeah. Um, there's that scene when he's on Mars with, uh, what's her name? Uh, I forget. Her name. Yeah, I don't remember. But anyway, yeah. uh, he's on Mars with that person he's with. And um, her, his whole speech there is like about how like every moment is a miracle and how everything is a miracle because of all the events that had to go right yeah. or go in a certain way for any one thing to happen. Yeah. Whether it's good or bad, like every moment is just a confluence of like so many things. And in his mind, there probably is no such thing as good or bad. And I th- yeah. And I think, yeah, for him, it was like, everything is like, he's, I think he saw it initially as like, everything just happens and everything is yeah. normal. And it's all this causal thing. But like your story and his eventual interpretation <laughs> is that in the end, something happens that is really meaningful to yeah, you. Yeah. And for you, yeah. in your case, it was a terrible experience yeah. of having stepped in poop. But like yeah. for him, poop. it was like he in a way loved this person and like yeah. how, what a miracle it is. Even if, even if everything is explainable by like a causal sequence, yeah. the fact that at this moment, the result of that causal sequence is such a meaningful thing for me is a miracle in yeah. some ways, just because it all 
happened. Yeah. You know, and like and there was some beautiful yeah. imagery when he built that structure yeah. that was like a large clock, just like yeah. perfectly. Yeah. yeah. That's a that's a beautiful movie slash comic book. Yeah, it is. It's really good. Um, um, but to pivot away from all that, I yeah. when you were talking about um, when we were just talking about ghosts and things like that, and spirit and that, like my experience with terminology and like language and, um, and specifically when it comes to religion is one of constant uh, translation. So I I have like kind of come full circle because I was raised very religious and I know so so mm-hmm. you too in the yeah. Catholic tradition. And then I kind of rebelled against that for my, you know, my own personal reasons and like just wanting to understand the world in a, in a way I don't feel like it was allowing me to. Um, and then coming back to like trying to understand why other people still yeah. participate in it. And I, I'm able to now like engage with people who are religious in a very meaningful way by just simply translating what they're saying into something that's meaningful for me. Cause yeah. the language they use isn't very meaningful for me sometimes. And like, like even the word prayer, like, mm-hmm. like people tell me how they pray for me or like yeah. how I should pray for something. And like, if I was as anti-religious as I had been in the past, mm-hmm. I would be like, well, that's, that means nothing to me. Or yeah. like, you yeah. know, like that's a bunch of It's like when there's a national, like, uh, there's like a tragedy in some part of the world and one kind and probably primarily the u.s they're like yeah sure. we're, we're sending our prayers yeah, and it's like right. oh yeah thanks for doing nothing right yeah well, in that case yeah you really <laughs> yeah. are doing nothing when you could do, be yeah. doing something yeah. but like when you talk about like hoping you have a good day or hoping things go well for yeah. you like i use the word hope in my mind mm-hmm. when like someone is just hoping good things for me yeah and when i you know i'm like you know i'm apply for a job or I'm trying to do something and i i just hope it goes well yeah. it's it's just Prayer is just an intentional version of hope. Cause, and I think it, you, you could know. probably swap out the word prayer with meditation or mindfulness. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's just focusing your energy on yeah. it in like a, you know, in a very intentional and like meaningful way. Not just like, oh, yeah, like, well, I hope tomorrow it doesn't rain. Yeah. Like, I'm not like actually sitting here and being like, you know, like yeah. focusing on that sort of thing. But people do do that. And I think that honestly, I think putting your energy toward that, especially in your own life, if you're just yeah. putting positive energy towards something, like it's going to improve oh, at least definitely. your experience yeah. of it or your ability to cope with the fact that it doesn't turn out exactly the way you want later. Yeah. And so, that's, um, yeah. it's a bit of a catch 22. Cause it's like, if you want to have a better mindset and a more positive outlook, you, it's, you might have to fake it till you make it at some point. And mm-hmm. then at a certain point, you actually do achieve whatever level of happiness. And then that carries on through. And then you don't have to force it so right. much. Yeah. Um, but it's, you have to practice it. Like, yeah. it's yeah. not easy to have a positive outlook on life, yeah. especially when things are hard. Yeah. And life might give you a reason to not. But like, once you like, once you're receptive to the good things, and then good things actually do start happening. And again, that's out of your control to some extent. But like, once you're receptive to them and things do start happening, you can appreciate them more yeah. and then grow your own positive experience. And it kind of feeds back on itself. Yeah. So. And, uh, but it's, it's really hard to pay attention to that. And it's, it's crazy. And that's what I, I, I haven't l- looked too much into mindfulness meditation or whatnot, but it's like essentially like even right now in my life, I'm a pretty unhappy person, mm-hmm. but I have everything I need. It's, I saw this another Instagram post. Um, it said, I'm so rich. I have running water, a roof over my head, my loved ones, and just a list of all these basic needs that we have. But if, right. if you have all those things, you're essentially set. So where, do, where does this fucking constant discontentedness come from? It's right. in your own mind. Yeah. This, this constant anxiety and stress. And if you could just be mindful in a moment and say, 
it's it's like constantly you're worried about the whole world falling apart and there's a tornado somewhere and an earthquake and it's like right. what's going on right now right right now nothing it, there could be nothing negative or positive happening it's just you're in the moment and yeah. um that's something i was a bit better about in the past but like just n acknowledging that sometimes is enough to get you out of a whack state of mind sure yeah you know? yeah yeah and i think it so it could be overstated sometimes that like you have it so good or appreciate the things mm -hmm. you have. Cause you know, going through something hard is going through something hard, yeah. whether or not there are good things around you. And like, you know, if you have everything you need, you know, like materially and physically to survive, mm -hmm. but like you lose a loved one, it doesn't mean that you should be thankful for the good things you have in that moment. You should be mourning and you know, yeah. there are some yeah. bad things too, but um, yeah, I think there's, you have to figure out at what level, like helps you get by and like what gives you the most positive experience because yeah, if you zoom out enough, like, and this is the whole problem with like so much news and media and stuff is yeah. like we hear about so many tragedies that not only don't affect us, but we can do nothing about yeah. it. Right. Yeah. So it's like not that we shouldn't Sense care, not that we shouldn't. Yeah. It's just like all it's doing to you personally is giving you this like, yeah, like helplessness about yeah. the world when you might not have like maybe you're doing as good as you can around you. And if everybody was doing what you were doing, the yeah. world would be a better place. Yeah. But like that, that all it's doing is digging you in a hole that you're not, you don't have to be in. I hate yeah. to always bring it around to Peterson because sure. I know you don't yeah. really love him. But I, I, I honestly, I, I don't mind engaging. We need with to him. have a watch session in a, sure. in a discussion. But um, <laughs> one of his rules is uh, clean up, clean your room. Mm -hmm. And it's, he's, he, he puts a lot of focus on be the most, strive to be the most self-actualized person and disciplined and caring person that you can be and if that's and if everybody could do that the world as a whole would be a better place if sure. everybody and but instead it's everybody's you know your room is filthy while mine is just disgusting but I, here i am telling you you need to clean your room and that's right. what so many people around the world are just doing yeah um and that's well, like virtue signaling and all that stuff that's become super popular these days yeah and, and i think the thing that misses is that everybody would be capable of doing it on their own when in reality all of life is a very communal effort yep. right so it doesn't help if like i have my room super clean mm -hmm. and like you can't get to your room or like you're suffering so much that yeah. cleaning your room isn't even a possibility because you have to worry about what you're eating every day yeah. like you have to you have to work all day to eat so like to yeah. tell you to clean your room would mean for you to like basically starve yeah what's the point of me being like oh i'm i got my shit together like you yeah. should get your shit together like yeah. you're clearly not doing enough and also if you like, if if you have if you've cleaned your room and you have some energy left over and you see that i'm struggling over here it might even be not a huge effort to go and clean my room mm -hmm. and then my job now is just keep it clean and that's alleviated a stress for well, both of i mean us, i would say know? at that point like why am i why should i just help you eat so then you can clean because i don't want oh yeah I, oh I yeah want that, you to get yeah, you to yeah, clean your yeah, own yeah, room yeah, like, yeah, i'm not yeah, trying to say yeah. like i'm not doing yeah. everything for you but yeah. like it's a bad example, i think but. yeah no but I'm, I'm like saying like there is a communal aspect that i think that isn't built into those yeah. like ideas of the whole like rational self individualized like yeah society that I, I feel like he kind of like I feel like I do feel like he's a very compassionate person and if mm -hmm. everybody were like him the world would be better but I think what he he espouses certain things like people make excuses as if like they don't need to help those around them yeah because and it's it, Ayn Rand is the same way of like this very like uh, but I don't think he's self-interested I, I just disagree with that self-interested rational yeah. being like that's kind of like their I think that's their epitome is like the self-interested yeah. rational being. but I, I think in terms of self-interest he's always saying like start with yourself we've talked about this before just increase mm -hmm. this your your 
perimeter of helpfulness right and start with yourself and he, he used this terminology he said start with yourself if you have energy left over after that help those closest to you and then and if you if you still have energy after that and then just expand the bubble right. so i what's what's the difference or why why is he focusing i know you said that mm -hmm. he focuses his message to help every single person from top to bottom right yeah. it has to work for the worst person worst off yes or it's not a good structure yeah but how come he doesn't focus his effort on the people who have so much and who yeah. could be helping their community more but don't like why isn't the effort being put why isn't pressure being put on people with means whose rooms are clean but aren't doing yeah. enough with their overflow i wouldn't like, necessarily that's, that's a very different message i feel like yeah right but i think it's the difference between i think it's better to make the masses selfish self-efficient on an individual basis rather than sure. relying on you know somebody at the top to come and fix everything right and i don't i don't think and i think that's the problem and like i've talked to like my dad about this specifically and like this whole idea that like um you know there is a unfairness built into society in that like people like us who are just kind of poor working class folks have struggled so much to just like get by mm -hmm. and it seems like they're something is off balance when somebody is like a trillionaire yeah. or, you know, or yeah. somebody who's just completely well off and has more than they need. Yeah. And, and, like, and the, the, what's the, the people say the top 1% has as much right. wealth as, as, like as the half bottom. the entire yeah. country. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea is that we built this society. We all live in the society that lets that person, it's mm -hmm. not like they do it. They didn't do that on their own. Like yeah. they didn't create money. They didn't create the economy. Yeah. Like we all contribute to that economy that lets them flourish. Yeah. Right. So if we allow the economy to be built that way for somebody to be so successful, shouldn't we somehow reap the benefits? And the idea yeah. of capitalism, I think, is that don't you know it trickles down, Alex? Naturally, it should happen. Right. Yeah. The whole trickle down thing is like yeah. if the economy is doing well. All boats rise. Yeah. Right. And like obviously people in the U.S. are better off. But like, yeah, the the inequality of wealth is just a little, it's, just, it's a little suspect, right? Yeah. And the, so I, the floor for the, the masses has gone up, but the, so it's like if, if the bottom half has gone up this much and the top half was always, if, if both in the past have recently gone like this, right. But at this point in history, it's gone like, right. Like this. Yeah. And exactly. it's just, yeah. And it just the, seems the like the gap is getting larger and yeah, larger. It seems like something's a little off and there's, you know, this like kind of right wing conservative mindset of like, you know, of course there's some inequality and we want to mm -hmm. help people. The, the, the charity mindset, like yeah. I'm a, I'm a charitable person. I would help people in need, that whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, but there is this, there's this lack of desire for it to be a structural kind yeah. of charity of yeah. like, and when I talked to my dad about it, he agrees that there, like there is inequality going on. But when he talks about a solution, he's, he says that like, well, it should be up to the person with the money to give the money back. We can't, we shouldn't make them give the money back, uh, but yeah. like, we have, but, and then, and this just seems like, so we just have to hope that the people who rise to the top do the right are, thing. Yeah. Are, yeah. Do the right thing. Yeah. Like, and how, like what kind of society? It's like, are we going to leave it up to Bezos? And it's like, like during the pandemic, he gained yeah. all of this money off of people's suffering. Right. And the, 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 the breaks that they're given, it's like most of us working a nine to five paid more in taxes than Donald Trump did sure. probably yeah. in his whole lifetime. Um, just because I think, and the idea is that like when rich people don't have to pay more in taxes, they make more money, which helps the economy. Yeah. And like, yeah, I think for people, you know, on the lower rungs of the ladder, it's like the economy does well and I still struggle to pay my bills yeah. and like I am deep in debt. Like, 
And also, why are we relying them to uh, re relying on them to do the right thing and give it back to us as as if they acquire the wealth on fair terms? Right. You know, and it's it's like, well, we can't make them give it back. It's like, well, well, we created the we created the society that let them be that wealthy. Like, yeah. We actually yeah. literally have the means through legislation yeah. to like equal it a little bit, right? And like, as much as you are, people are against like, you know, a more, you know, more leaning in the socialist way. Like, there's nothing in our the, the our constitution of the rules that doesn't say that we can't change the rules yeah. to yeah. move that direction right you could argue it's un-american or, or what and i do think that we'd have a strong we have a very strong capitalist individualistic streak and mm -hmm. i don't think that would be compromised i do yeah. not think we would ever be like an uncapitalist country just because of our roots you yeah. know that like tilting it a little bit like social security mm -hmm. or like any or, sort or, of or bernie's like, plan to like tax a fraction of a penny on every stock trading sure, yeah and and they're like no we're not budging we're not giving you a fraction right. of a fucking because well, they so, worry that you start yeah, there and then you all take of a sudden, an inch and you're gonna ask yeah, for a mile and yeah. it's just like then where i don't know and then, it's like you know what the, you know what, and I, i'm not an economist and i'm a dumb dumb but this whole national debt right and it's like mm -hmm. who are we in debt to obviously we're in debt to other countries and whatnot but a large is like we're in debt to the Federal Reserve. And it's like, who rigged the game in the first place right. to make us constantly in debt with them? How about we say, fuck you, too bad, you know? Right. Sure, well, honestly, I would love to talk to an economist yeah. because like, as much as I can navigate credit to a degree, I like really don't understand yeah. how the credit system is like, yeah. the legitimacy of it. Because it, it, like, it doesn't really make sense to me I'm like, it's kind of like the landfill thing for me. And I think have I talked to you before about my whole thing with the landfill is mm -hmm. like, like we have landfills now. There's basically these like plots of land where we just throw all our garbage. And like, you know, when I was a kid, I thought actually I used to play the Sims, you know, mm -hmm. and like I would always build the, the waste to like power plants. Yeah. So like all my garbage would go to my waste plant that would power huh. my city yeah. or whatever. And like to some degree, I felt like that was kind of, I thought that was kind of what was happening in real life. I think and we then, do that to some degree in yeah. Spokane at least. Yeah. But, but I learned that like a, for a, a large, you know, section of society, like we just have these landfills where we just throw all our garbage yeah. into a, like we just said like, oh, this acre we'll of land. we just cover it yeah, up. Yeah. This yeah. acre of land is where we put our trash and then we bury it. Yeah. And yeah. So I'm just like, whoa, like yeah. that, I did not consent to this. Makes like no, I yeah. didn't know this was, and like whose idea was it to do this in yeah. the first place? It's a little crazy Probably to the me. first guy who did it was like, what's a way to save money? Oh, just well, fucking Well, I mean, it, it might've started in a, you know, a, at a time when like everything was biodegradable, like yeah. everything was natural. And you're just like, okay, let's just put all, you know, we can't have our trash in the streets. Yeah. So let's just go let it decompose out in the woods over here. We'll just all put our stuff here. And then it got worse and worse and worse. Yeah. And I don't know if that's what credit was like, where at first it kind of made sense. And it was like, mm. you just, you know, you just need a, something for your house and we want you to have it. Like you can yeah. owe us later, yeah. right? Because right? you'll make the money later and you just pay us later. But now it just seems like, yeah, everybody operates on debt, even yeah. the whole nation. And it's yeah. like, what is this? Is this how it was supposed to be the whole yeah. time? Was this the, con the conception? And we of talked about the whole like concept that? of how, like, you get a mortgage loan and you you could pay it up to 90% right. of the house off. And if you start to miss your payments for whatever reason, right. it's gone. the bank takes your, your house back and they don't even have to buy it back for you yep. for what you've paid for you it. Just it's, just, it. it's just theirs now. Yeah. It's like... And obviously, they're the ones that set up that system. Right. So, of course, that's how it's going to be. They have interest yeah. in keeping it yeah. the way it is. That, yeah, it's, for it's their so benefit. You know? It's just so gross. It's so gross. One of the things you were saying, um, this is back to a previous topic mm -hmm. about how um, you turn on the news and it's just full of problems and whatnot. And mm -hmm. um, 
one thing that Duncan Trussell said, and somebody said it to him, but I, I, I gained a lot of insight from was the concept of tending to the part of the garden that you can touch, mm-hmm. part of the garden that you can reach. And that gave me a lot of peace in the sense of you don't have to fix every problem in the world oh, and, yeah. that, and just go to what is in your reach for this moment. And yeah. then once and then once you've tended to that part of the garden, you can step on to the next round. Um, and um, yeah. Yeah, I think I think for most people, that's what life is. And there are a few just based on the way that I think it doesn't even have to be a structural thing like certain people are born to be like leaders, you yeah. know, and like some people have more influence just by their natural like weight they carry with mm-hmm. them. And those tend to be the people who rise to the top and like inspire people within the culture, you know, whether it's yeah. like through, you know, pop culture or whether it's through politics or things like that. And like there are people who can help who, whose reach is further, right? Yeah. Just like you can think about it in that way. Like they can reach more of the garden just based mm-hmm. on, yeah. you know, maybe in this metaphor, it's like, they have more mobility or yeah. they have longer arms or whatever it is, you know, they, you know, their hose has like a sprayer that can, yeah. Reach for, like yeah. they have something that allows them to affect more. And like, that's, isn't it unfortunate you know, that most of the time that ability is finances, it's money. Uh, I mean, honestly, like I'm not anti-capitalist. Like I honestly, I, there, yeah. there's some good things about capitalism and I understand that like capitalism is great because first of all, it creates, it equalizes everything like there's one currency that mm-hmm. everything kind of translates into. There is a objective value in yeah. things that fluctuates and works, you know, in its own yeah. way. And, you know, people love capitalism because nobody dictates prices. No, there's nobody in charge of it. It mm-hmm. kind of has its natural. But it, are, isn't that what the Federal Reserve does? Isn't that yeah. what inflation sure. is? It's yeah. like we're, you know. And, and if, I, again, I don't know anything about the Federal yeah. Reserve or enough to say, but I would assume in its creation it was it was meant to probably help people who didn't have the say in it you yeah. know like in terms of like in keeping interest rates low for people yeah. to get, i wouldn't again, I, I don't i don't like to give them any credit need, i, I, I bet it was all nefarious i don't know no I don't know. actually i really it don't was, know enough about it i'll have to do some digging but the federal reserve i believe was formed on an island that a bunch of bankers and politicians went to specifically oh, to really? do some devious money yeah. grubby work yeah and they came back with the idea of the federal reserve and i'm God, I wish I knew the video I watched on that. But yeah, I, I don't. I, I think it was insidious. I, I, I don't know. think there was any good intentions behind the federal. I, the Reserve. whole again, the whole uh, financial system to me is like a little like impenetrable to understand because yeah. just because I'm I'm a paycheck to paycheck type person, yeah. so it's like yeah, that goes. Oh, man, I love. I was telling you about him today, which you you should look into him. He's like a, a modern day Asian Basquiat, David Cho. Okay, he's a gangster man, and his story's so fucking cool and we might switch gears a little bit to talking about art um and the whole concept of a nine to five mm-hmm. he's very wealthy but obviously due to his talent but it was also a big stroke of luck in the sense that i believe it was either facebook or myspace um contracted him to do a job in their headquarters in one of their headquarters um and he did this big painting job and I think they gave him a little bit up front, but they're also like, hey, we want to give you, can we give you shares of the company or whatever? And after it was either MySpace or Facebook, after it blew up, his he just became a millionaire, Whoa. like a multi-millionaire Damn. as a result because he had all these shares that weren't worth that much when he was given yeah. them. But, And he was just talking. I was listening to it on the way over. He's like, I have no needs anymore. He's like, I'm good on money. 
my kids will be good on money and my kids' kids will be good on money. Dang. So he's like, so I, I never became an artist so that I could get to the point where only rich people could afford my art. He's like, I became an artist so that the most amount of people can, can enjoy my art. And he's like, now that I don't worry about money, I just focus on doing the best artwork I can. And he does like free shows and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, but what a fucking weight to be lifted right? to not have yeah. to worry about any of your finances or your basic needs and food and housing and all that stuff. It's like, God, that's what I fucking want. Yeah. And that makes me feel like um, less of a true artist because it's like I'm always like, I just want to get rid of all this bullshit, the fucking nine to five and just get to the art. And it's like, well, at a certain point, you just have to work hard enough to get to that point and then you can enjoy that yeah i mean I, uh, the whole art thing like, i don't like the suffering artist or the the, the starving artist starving artist thing. as we've yeah, talked I think, about yeah yeah i it's tough for me because i as an artist who hasn't had a lot of time to work on art lately yeah. like i i feel like i still love to do it and like i i have the same mindset of like i would never want to be selling paintings or artwork for like you know hundreds of dollars because then nobody mm. can have it or only certain yeah. people can have it and you wouldn't want to do both you want i think this this goes back to the war of art which is like you want to get to the point where your art is self-sustaining where Mm -hmm. you no longer have to and i I don't see any problem with having high-priced artwork as long as you know you're still at the end of the day doing it for the art and you talked you talked before about how like capitalism allows for you to make money off of your art and like be a part of the system doing Mm -hmm. it the way you want to do it and i think but to do that i think you have to have an element of like business savvy or entrepreneurship or yeah, marketing which skills. Is not which everybody's is, wired for that. Yeah, and yeah. I and I am definitely not. Yeah. I would rather be the like I just do this for fun. I love yeah. working with other artists, and like if I was ever to make it, it would be by a stroke of luck yeah. and like somebody kind of booing me up and like you know somebody being that partner who like helps me get my shit out there. Yeah. You know, yeah. and like I don't think it's gonna happen on my own as far as I can tell, yeah. and I don't want to put in that much work because like yeah. i i want to be living life in so many other ways and yeah. i'd rather be you know i don't i don't romanticize the starving artist i just think it's probably been for me a more likely yeah uh, outcome of everything you know and I, i've always been okay with that starving artist yeah thing. and it's uh maybe it's a a result of getting older and a little bit more pessimistic but i used to be in the same boat where i was just doing it at, just because it was pure joy mm-hmm. and fun and the older, I, but the older I get, I'm like, I fucking hate this stupid nine to five job. I just want to yeah. do art all the time. And now I'm in, I'm at the point where I, I don't even necessarily have fun when I'm working on art because I'm in the back of my mind. It's like this, this has to have some importance. It has to mean something. You need to dig your way out of this trench that in, your art is going to be that way. And it's like the best art is free form, free thinking, not thinking yeah. about all those um, peripheral yeah. Aspect. I do think once you start making money off of your art that you kind of if, if that is the drive you still you have to kind of bow to market forces in yeah. some way like like you have to do art that is marketable yeah right and you're lucky if your art is popular but if I would gladly if like, sell out but yeah okay see I that's would, see yeah. that's like of course like and I, only temporarily though sure like, I would yeah, get your money and get get out. your money so that you can get to the point where you no longer have to do it for yeah. money and then do all the things. But you I would just do. say that's the same game. It's yeah. Like again, like yeah. for some people, like who aren't artistic, whose like skill lies in you know mm-hmm. working a certain business, or like people who are like uh, do, who do like startups or yeah. tech people, like their skill, well, you know, their art form, mm-hmm. you could say, is like doing that tech thing, 
and then making their money and then they can get out retire early and yeah then do their do whatever passion. they want it's it's like it, there's yeah. a example in my realm my area it's which the same is music game, yeah. there's these producers that are they have technical proficiency and they get really popular or well known and they make a bunch of money but their music is trash mm -hmm. it's so unlistenable right. and there's this guy, Andrew Huang. I don't mind saying it because nobody's fucking watching this shit. <laughs> um, but he's really popular. He's like a YouTube producer. And he's made so much money. But his music blows, man. And it's it's very commercial. And he does a lot of commercial projects. And he's a decent enough teacher. But does he make money off of the stuff he does? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or like he, add off of producing other people's work or something? Yeah. And he gets contracted for projects and whatnot. But it's like, it's it's nothing you would fucking play on the radio. And right. not that that's a qualifier, but it's like nothing I would leisurely listen to. It's right. garbage music. But oh. it's like his 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 businessman aspect. He's, he's such a good businessman that he's found a way. Sure. He's a better businessman than an artist. Okay. And yeah, that's not something that if, I have. If you could make money off of your art, but go down in history as a hack or like a, you mm. know, like a, you know, like pop God, yeah. like person where you had like, there was no like soul to your work oh, that, that made you money. Would you do that? Like, cause that's what I feel like is the that's, authentic that's art. Out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause there are people who like, yeah, it's like, like pop stars, you know, like, or, you know, boy bands or whatever. Like yeah. they were just the vessel through which the, to make money yeah yeah the, the wrestle through which other people make yeah, money, yeah, really, yeah 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 you know, yeah it's, like, it's NSYNC, like the nsync and backstreet boys are the prime example of right. that which is like they, they orchestrated <laughs> yeah they were literally like manufactured, manufactured yeah. and put together and hand selected to make money and also they didn't make dick at first mm. because their manager was just sure. siphoning all of that <laughs> all of that money and there, there was documentaries because at, at a certain point nsync and and uh backstreet boys were managed by the same piece of shit really and he dicked over both of them Damn. just raped their finances Yeesh. um and god on one part of me wants to say yes because again this is a conversation we had that we're definitely not uploading um i the, i have there's one reason i want wealth and that's to take care of my family right it's the one reason sure so if it meant selling out and making shit music then i might do that okay um and if the only other part of the ultimatum is be make beautiful art and be broke die broke so yeah, then is it about know. the art at that point that's the and question, yeah that's right? yeah. yeah and is it wrong to want to be in the middle i no, don't know i don't yeah, think yeah, so yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean i think again it's like it's like saying you know if you know i always think back like what was life like you know when humanity first kind of started going mm. out or when society first started going and like i don't think it's a bad thing like you know hundreds of years ago or thousands of years ago when like you know someone just felt so alive you know dancing around the fire yeah. or like felt so alive like um you know painting portraits in their village or whatever like would it be so bad to be like well you also got to go make sure you have your little crop farm too it's not it's not like you don't criticize them yeah. for like oh you know like oh what a sellout that guy like is growing his own food too he spends yeah. time growing food like <laughs> yeah that's not a fucking artist like like of course it's fine to like make a living i yeah. think that's great um i think getting caught up in the machinery you know and like losing i think that's the but the thing that people struggle with fame is they lose themselves yeah. and they lose their way because like they they basically become a part of the money-making yeah apparatus you know and that's what and i feel like that is what capitalism is it, it's a wealth generation thing yeah and it does that for society at large but it doesn't really help individual people so much yeah um 
David Cho. I just watched the most amazing. I texted you about it. Yeah, I, you got to tell me about David Cho because I don't. Know I'm gonna it. I'm gonna pull some stuff up. Sure. Okay. Um, we're gonna take a quick break. <laughs> okay, so we're back. Um, I almost drank my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ira right now. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was talking about David Cho. And I'm going to pull up some of his stuff, um, if I can figure out how. Um, let's see. So this is David Cho, one of the coolest artists, in my opinion. And just as a person, he's a fucking beautiful person. Like you see his um, artwork like this. It's very Basquiat-esque. Yeah, That's why I say definitely. he's like a modern-day Korean Basquiat. Um, or he's just David Cho. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, that's, yeah, it's probably insulting to. I mean, I know. Yeah, but like, it kind of is. It's yeah. like what people say about Jackie Chan, where Jackie Chan was, yeah. when he started to get big, he was like, they're like, oh, you're the next Bruce Lee. Yeah. And he's like, I just want to be the first Jackie Chan. Yeah. 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 Is, is that something he actually said? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that's people so constantly cool. were comparing him to um, yeah, Bruce Lee. There's this dope, he does this rendition of Calvin and Hobbes, which it's, uh, it's uh, Panda. Whoa. And like a little, and it's, uh -huh. it's so fucking cool. Nice. Um, but yeah, he's just got beautiful artwork. Um, but he did um, a podcast with Tiger Belly, who he's good friends with, mm -hmm. uh, Bobby Lee and Kalila. Um, and he's got a new show called Cho Show. Uh, but he's just the most free person. But he, he suffers with a lot of mental health issues as well. Um, but him and Bobby Lee had this idea a long time ago about uh, handcuffing each other to each other. Hmm. and spending a month together Whoa. and making a little show out of it. And Bobby Lee was like, uh, yeah, I pitched it to this place and I, I, I pitched it a bunch of times to these people and they all said no. And he's, and David Cho was like, you're so fucking old right now, dude. He's like, why are you relying on the previous way things used to be done? He's like, you're a free agent right now. You have control over everything. Look at your podcast. It used to be just something you did and now it actively makes money. He's like, if you do anything from the heart and and it's entertaining in some aspect you don't need permission to do it yeah. and he's like you're my friend why do i need to go to some company and ask permission to handcuff myself to my friend <laughs> yeah. he's like that's stupid as yeah. fuck he's like let's just go to a sex shop buy one of those fluffy ones so it's <laughs> not uncomfortable yeah and uh just handcuff each other and people will fucking watch it i i know i would watch it right um put it and, online. He's, and he's and just put it online yeah. he's like don't focus on making money just do it yeah and again um, it's like it's like you can do that project and if it's a worthwhile project like just do it and the even if it doesn't make a ton of money like the yeah. experience of doing it has got to yeah. give you something right and off chance assuming you know i know bobby lee is very entertaining i don't know david show that well but like i'm sure it would be like something that would be interesting to watch so yeah it definitely would it but it made me think in my own life it's like i'm always feeling restricted by my financial means and all this stuff and like I can do anything I want, really. Mm -hmm. It's like I always talked about like maybe like building some kind of sculpture or something. There's a large piece just that looks cool. It's like, what's stopping me? What's yeah. stopping me from doing anything? Sure. I have a decent camera. It's like, what's stopping me from making a I mean, cheesy I think, music video? I think this podcast is something you did on your own, yeah. you know, like, yeah. and I've always loved working with people. And like, I, there's so many like collaborative projects I've done in, in my like, you know, career, if you want to yeah. call it that. I've just like, 
I want to do this with my friends and I want to do this thing and it'll be, it'll be worthwhile and a good yeah. experience. And like, maybe we'll make money off of it. And sometimes we make enough, like we break even, but yeah. like often it just, it happened and then it was done. And then yeah. like, I'm just happy I did it. Even if it didn't go anywhere. You yeah. Know? So I think that's how you got to go about it. Yeah. And, but it's, it's like, um, yeah, man, I just feel so restricted by my day to day life. And I keep, I hate that I keep harping on the nine to five thing, but it does feel like it's, holding me back from so many things and think of that on the mass effect on the mass scale like how many artists or creators or anything is mm -hmm. stifled by right you know the, the poverty level and whatnot and i mean and i think you know we live in a society where like we seem to appreciate art enough but it's it's in no way built into the structure yeah. of our like government or any way of our organization of our society but like we will Again, that, again, the capitalist part of it is that like we create that space for artists to make money and live off their work if they can break through the noise, but we in no way fund or subsidize art. I mean, we do. I mean, I'm not yeah. going to lie. Like we, there's a lot of like public art stuff going on, but there isn't a like nurturing culture around the idea of an yeah. art. And I think that's why here there is such that idea of a starving artist is yeah. because like we think part of being an artist is like struggling to break through, yeah. you know, and there are so many like artistic people. And I, I always like hate hearing people when they're like, you know, like, oh, like I'm not good at drawing or I'm not really an artistic person mm -hmm. as if like art is something you have to do Be born with like, or... or even just like something you have to do as a lifestyle. Oh yeah. And, Cause like art is so like beneficial and therapeutic just to yeah. do even on like a small scale. And I know? feel like the true artists are not true artists, but like the, the really great people find art in every aspect of their mm -hmm. life. Yeah. Um, from the way that they make their coffee or their right. breakfast or, you know, yeah. Do and honestly, I, I think there, there are people who find art in their everyday life. Mm -hmm. And like there, there's this quote that like I encountered in college about this, it was from a scientist, um, who like talked about, you know, some people say that like trying to understand a flower in a scientific or biological way kind of sucks all the life out of yeah. it. But like, you know, me and in one aspect, well, it, and in another version of it, that is yeah. it, it amplifies it the amplifies beauty. it right yeah, and yeah. and again i would say it's not the it's not the like using this like the science or having to know about it or having to like dissect it that mm -hmm. drains the life it's just your orientation toward it yeah and like he talked about how he was able to see so much more beauty in the way that like a uh, flower is arranged mm -hmm. and how everything works and like that's just you know from his using his own perspective to find the beauty in something be, through his like own personal like way of yeah. seeing it you know and and, and like science can be very dry and very like soul sucking, but mm -hmm. like it, it can be an avenue to find, to see beauty. And I think yeah. the great people like Carl Sagan and Neil deGrasse Tyson, yeah. you know, the great visionaries in the scientific world, like do that. And they yeah. show us that science can be something that opens up the universe. And, uh, and also it's, it's it such, the scientific world has brought so much beauty to our lives. Like the, the first pictures of another planet, mm -hmm. sure. you know, that's so awe-inspiring yeah. and beautiful and so much work when so much work so went much into work, fucking right? putting like yeah. creating a rocket that's, that's right. why there's the expression it's not rocket science because <laughs> yeah. rocket science is the fucking hardest shit you <laughs> can do <laughs> yeah um but, but in yeah. that in that in that rocket science there is somebody and this is what i think i mentioned to you before how most scientists are just like grunt workers yeah, yeah. there was somebody just calculations 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 yeah, yeah. like that was somebody's job yeah. like 24 not 24 7 we know whatever their nine to five was yeah. of just doing the math to make that happen and it's yeah. such more of a collaborative effort and 
in that person's view of science, it was very dry, but like it leads to greater things yeah. too. So, hmm. and the visionaries help point the way, but like yeah. it's a collaborative effort um, that really makes it worthwhile. And yeah, people like Tyson, DeGrasse Tyson and Carl Sagan, they really brought the idea of science being beautiful to the front mm -hmm. forefront. Yeah. Um, it was part of their mission. And, and, they, I, and I think yeah. that Carl Sagan clashed with the scientific community a lot. Yeah. Um, because like he had, you know, he was much more of a public figure than he was like a grunt scientist. Yeah. You know, and honest. also it's like, that was, I believe it was either his idea or somebody close to him's idea. It's like when they sent one of the ships up to get data, they were like, Hey, why don't we turn the camera around real quick and get a shot of the earth? And mm -hmm. that created the iconic pale blue dot image. Yeah. And that's, that's amazing. And it wouldn't have necessarily happened without an artistic mind thinking of doing that. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, is, what, what, where do we want to go from here? Um, I mean, I, so we kind of initially like, talked about maybe talking about religion a little bit. I yeah. don't know if you want to turn in that direction um, or if you want to talk more about just being creative and the struggle with creativity and the nine to five aspect. I mean, I also thought about um, just the idea, and this can kind of tie back to religion in some ways, of just finding meaning in life. I know we've talked a lot about that. Yeah. Um, and because we're both creative people, I think we find our meaning in the creative work yeah. we do. Yeah. Um, but on the way over here, um, I was listening to the Tyler, the creator album, Igor. I thought you were going to say Luther Vandross. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. But he has this line about how, I think it was something like, he doesn't live in fear except for the fear that like one day he'll die. Or I don't know exactly what the line was. Yeah. Um, but it just makes me think of that um, saying memento mori, you know. Uh, and what does that mean again? It means um, remember that you will die. Remember yeah. that I will die yeah. or something like that in Latin. Um, and it's just this idea of, like that adds weight to your life if you remember that like at some point your yeah. your life will end and, and there's no greater sense of regret than the regret getting to a later point in your life and realizing you could have done something right. you know and yeah. that's my biggest fear yeah. and and that's it's almost self-fulfilling in the sense that i'm always fearing that and it and it freezes me in my tracks and i don't get anything done well one of the great american thinkers uh his name uh henry tony david peterson. thoreau okay yeah he's not american <laughs> what he's not american i said tony peterson oh tony <laughs> yeah, peterson yeah, oh yeah, they yeah. said jordan peterson <laughs> uh you are american <laughs> uh but uh henry david thoreau and it's just this quote by him um that i always try and rem remember i'm not good at remembering quotes um it's a longer one it's from walden you know mm -hmm. the when he went out to oh, i think i'm gonna know this thing. one for once yeah it's yeah. that um i went to the woods um not I don't remember exactly. You can just do your it. version of what he Can I? Okay. Yeah. I was like, maybe I should look it up. Yeah. Is, you, it, is it worth it. looking it up? Um, yeah, we can. Or uh, no, maybe not. Uh, um, so basically what he says is like, you know, I went to the woods like to like really experience life. Mm -hmm. um, like to, to make sure that when I came to the end that like I had truly lived what yeah. it meant to, to live. Yeah. Like I didn't want to get to the end and be like, well, I never really knew what it was like to like survive in yeah. this world. And because, I, I strive for that. Yeah. I want that so bad. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, we talked about him before and like how, you know, he, I think he's known for having like constantly gone back to like read the paper every day in the, mm. in the city. Yeah. It's not like yeah. he lived out there, you know, yeah. and did like was, you know, roughed it the yeah. whole time, you know, but it was like just about encountering the world on the world's terms, yeah. you know, and like really knowing what that's like. And that's like, something you know. we're all so far removed from now. Yeah. And I think so he experienced far. that in his time in the yeah. 1800s, right? Yeah. So it's like, can you imagine How much these worse days? would it be? Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and that's why we, I think it's named David Prinicky, the guy mm-hmm. that was showing you that just, yeah. and he was just basically saying, he's like, I'm living the truest version of a life a man can live, just right. living in the woods and appreciating nature and, and doing what I have to get done in order to even just survive on a daily day-to-day basis. And now we, we're so cushioned. We have cars. We have a store where we can just go and grab a, a stack of meat that somebody else, right. you know, slaughtered and butchered and put packaged for yeah. us. And and again, it's that it's that and that alienation from like real life. That yeah, like and gives it gives us this artificial it, sense. It, of it what removes it is. that natural sense of meaning and purpose that we used to have intrinsically in our lives when we lived a much simpler life. You right. know. And so if if we no longer have that, which is a basic human feeling that used to be alive in our in our culture if we don't even have that and we have nothing to replace it with mm-hmm. and so we can't even fulfill our artistic endeavors or passion projects or anything like that it's like then you just feel soulless right and that's when the regret sinks in there's yeah. um bill burr was talking about these two um artists i think one was a comedian another was some other superstar he didn't he didn't want to say who they were for some reason but uh it was he was talking about one guy that he viewed as like the guy he's mm-hmm. like he did it he did it and on his deathbed the guy was like so much wasted time hmm. so much wasted time that's my biggest regret and bilber was like you you feel that no. he's like T- in my eyes you did everything right. so even so i feel like no matter what there's always going to be a bit of that feeling but it's sure you got to d- decrease that as much as you can i mean i think um just get, like the whole memento mori thing like there's this other saying that like some people view philosophy as basically a way of learning how to die like yeah, in like yeah. a you know in, a, in an accepting sort of way and i think that's going to be when hard you for really, me when you really come to terms with it if you really are engaging in life when the t- when your time comes whenever yeah. that is like you'll, you, you'll you should be ready embrace it yeah. yeah yeah and like that's how socrates went out was like this is just the next step for yeah me. Like, it's almost like a, no a greater version of uh when people talk about leisure time and uh it's like the work hard, play hard. It's like when you're just lounging about and that's your whole existence, sitting on the couch, eating Cheetos, watching TV, you, you lose so much meaning. But, but when you put in the work and you fucking worked out at the beginning of the day, then you did your job, you did your art. And at the end, you're just so pooped. Mm -hmm. You can actually enjoy that leisure time. It's like when I'm doing nothing but leisure time, there's so much angst and uh, depressiveness that comes mm-hmm. about that because so you're saying there's too much leisure time yeah i would say so in my own life in mm-hmm. in okay in the, it's it's like it's like oh god i feel so bad for my dad it's like he works really hard and right. it's that we've i think we might have touched about this on the unreleased episode but it's like everybody's working for the weekend mm-hmm. um and that's what we're doing it's like the whole structure of seven days a week and a nine to five it's like on a day-to-day basis, you're like, let me just get through this fucking work day. And right. then you're so exhausted when you get home, you're like, ah, I just want to do nothing. Yeah. And then the culmination of those five days, that's five wasted days. And then you get to the weekend and you're like, oh, I worked so hard this week. I'm just going to relax this weekend. And then you right. get nothing done on the weekend. Right. And then that's a cycle. And then that builds up to weeks, months, years, life, your whole <laughs> life. Yeah. And what did you get done? Right. Nothing. And that's the, the, biggest problem I have with the nine to five. And it's not that I'm against working. I'm, I'm for working hard and working, but it has to be meaningful. And it, it also has to, why is it that, you know, Walmart is one of the biggest employers of the United States, um, but a large proportion of their, 
their employees still can't afford their basic needs. Some of them are on food stamps and housing right. and all that stuff. It's like, that's not, that's not right. I mean, that thing is, it may not be right, but it's mm -hmm. legal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah, yeah. And again, it's again, how we like structure our society and things yeah. like that. So, I mean, so the, it begs the question, how do you find the time? It's like, I have so much guilt about how I haven't worked on music in months probably at this yeah. point and that's that's awful for me yeah but you haven't worked on music but you've spent hours working on this project yeah yeah, yeah. um i mean there's like so you're clearly finding some time to do the projects you want yeah but like, i yeah. again it's just i i want it to be my whole existence like yeah. tyler the creator when he released his, his latest album he's like i put hours into this he's like we woke up early stayed in the studio all day just making that and that's what i dream of yeah, like is, yeah. when that's your whole day that's your whole weeks, months, and years yeah. just doing your pro your project. Like, right. and that's I, fulfillment. And that's to me. where, yeah, I can see where you say like, you have to make it before that happens. You know, yeah. before yeah. you make it, there you gotta live that dual life. You yeah. know, and I think the whole we've talked about this plan A, plan B thing. Yeah. You know, of like, for me, it's you, you gotta you gotta be living your life while being open to that possibility. Yeah. But if you, but not banking on it. Yeah. Cause if yeah. you bank on it, but how, your, what your do, you, passes how you do you feel about the quote from Will Smith? And you know, Will Smith is a real particular character uh, example, but he said, don't have a plan B cause it distracts from plan A. Sure. And part of me wants to embrace that wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think no so, plan B. Yeah, well, I think it's like, a, you say your, your plan, my a plan should include plan B. Yeah. Your plan yeah. A should include plan B. Yeah. Um, but like, it's the whole carpe diem mm -hmm. type thing. And like, I used to think about that term carpe diem, you know, which is like seize, seize the day. The day yeah. And like, it it had this sense oh of like- Oh my God, sorry to interrupt you. Uh -huh. I'm not an Avenged Sevenfold fan, but the the lyrics just click. Have you heard the song Seize the Day? No. Seize the day, you die regret and the time you lost. It's empty and cold without here. But those first lines, I never huh. thought about them, but it's the first line is seize the day or die regretting the time you lost. Yeah. That's a pretty deep yeah. lyric for a I fucking mean, well, metal band. I mean, Carpe Diem is kind of a cliched statement at this yeah. point, but like that, I used to think of that as like Carpe Diem as if like act out all your desires today mm -hmm. or you won't be able to do them tomorrow type thing. And I always felt like, how can you live your life that way and do everything you want every day? Yeah. Because like at some point, like you, if you're just going to keep living, you're not going to be able to really build on anything. Yeah. Like if it's like, well, my ideal day is like just like hanging out, partying, and like yeah. just like having a good time. Or if you're and a like, serial killer, your ideal day is well, sure, that's a whole <laughs> that's a whole other moral thing. But like, like even if your day is just like hanging out, enjoying life, having a good time, like if you do that every day, would you be satisfied with life? Yeah. Like, I and I, and I think I kind of came around to understanding that saying in a different way of like, carpe diem is like do everything you can every day to enjoy the life you have, mm -hmm. and like when you come to dying know that you got as far as you could yeah like yeah. and it's like what it, it doesn't have to be like this is the last day it's like this is another day on top of yesterday that i got to like go further yeah and like make sure you're moving that milepost every day that or makes at least me enjoying where think you're of at. our first episode in the amazon mm -hmm. uh analogy so is the goal then to keep in mind that you may never get out of the amazon so just Right. Cause you yeah. might not. Right. Yeah. And like, yeah. and in terms of like our society, it's like, there might not be an escape from the nine to five. Yeah. And honestly, for most people there isn't, yeah. you know, like, yeah. and again, like the way it works is like, we, we have this whole fantasy that like everybody could be successful, but mm -hmm. like our society would collapse if everybody was successful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like there, if there were no minimum wage workers, like yeah. businesses wouldn't exist. So it's like the whole thing would fall apart. The idea is that anybody could be one of those people 
who break mm-hmm. through and become successful. So knowing that it's possible you might never leave the Amazon, yeah. like make sure you set up a good life in the Amazon, right? Or yeah. enjoy yeah. Yeah. enjoy the Amazon. Or else you're going to get to the end of your life and you spent the whole time unhappy. Yeah. And maybe there was never a chance to get out of the Amazon. Right. So you wasted your whole life just being upset about it. Yeah. And, and I think it sounds a little defeatist to say it in some ways, but like, again, the whole like, remember you will die like making yeah. sure you've confronted that fact and like being prepared for that yeah it's like buying a cryo the, chamber like the the what buying a cryo chamber oh. being prepared <laughs> freeze yourself it's again trying to escape it right <laughs> it's like the idea is that you get to the end and you're like like all right like i did as yeah. much as i could like and like i enjoyed it some of the way or so maybe do you, you didn't do you like, think you're doing that in your own life again i think i i try and again it's all about the orientation of your like consciousness to mm-hmm. life in some way and it's like like you know i haven't had a chance to work on art like working on this has been great for me too yeah. but like i haven't a chance to work on my art in the past year or two mm-hmm. but like again like my life is a different project right now yeah my life and is your my your family. current project is your yeah. son and your yeah. your wife my yeah. family yeah. and like where we want to set up the rest of our life that that's yeah. kind of what we're working on right now and like i'm enjoying it as much as i can you know and like yeah. i i don't feel like i'm it's taking me away from anything. Of course there's feelings of like, Oh man, I wish I, you know, even working on this, I'm like, Oh shit, I wish I could have done more editing yeah. today. Or I wish I could have come into the studio with you and done some more work. But like, you know, I, it, it's the whole, like whatever I'm choosing, mm-hmm. I'm choosing it. Yeah. I don't, I yeah. don't feel yeah. like I've been cornered into yeah. my situation. And, and people, I see, that's the thing. And, I yeah. feel like I've been cornered. Mm-hmm. Right. At, at, and some people have, some yeah. people have no yeah. choice and they are cornered in a situation, but like at any moment, you know, I could leave, and then start a new life somewhere else yeah. or, you know, and I yeah. would never do that, but Get like, a new wife, there's a, new baby. there's a, you know, there's like the, the idea that I would never do that is because I would never choose to do that. Yeah. And again, it's my choice to, to stay where I am because, and I think for you too, it's like your choice to stay here. Yeah. Like, you know, and you do choose to stay here as much as like, you know, the situation was like yeah. dumped on your lap. Yeah. But like you are a autonomous person with yeah. that. that and ability that's, to oh God, it's so, it's weird because I think I have a different dynamic with my family than a lot of people in the United States because it's it's the the remnants of how people are raised in a third world country. So like we talked a bit, I don't think it was on a podcast, but how like in some countries, the kids live with their their parents until they start their own family. And that yeah. could be 30. That could be Not 40. Not third like, world yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, and and I, I'm kind of stuck in that realm in the sense that I I want to live this life where I'm doing my own thing and possibly in a different city or state. But then I think I'm away from my whole larger family, not even just brothers and sisters, like my aunts and my uncles. And we are going to die someday. Yeah. And every time I leave my family, situ- my prox- when I get out of the proximity of my family and I come back, they've aged. Right. All of them. They're yeah. older. There's new ones. There's Everybody's got gray hair. They're balding. And it's like, time speeds up when I'm away from them. It's sure, like, it's yeah. like, it's the fucking interstellar thing. When I'm around them, time slows down and I can see them. I, I don't notice time moving forward so much. And then when I get away, it's like everything speeds up. Yeah. And it's like, you have to make a sacrifice in one aspect. Do you want to yeah. go and live your life or do you want to s- slow time down and but, live in your... But again, e- each, each choice is a, a certain kind of life you're living. So you can choose yeah. to you can live your life here if that's yeah. what gives you meaning in yeah. life but like 
it's a it's a choice and it's not an easy choice and i'm not yeah. saying there's there's not a right choice but there's a yeah. choice you have to make in that you know so what do you th- how do you what do you think about i've expressed to you i think yesterday everything feels so stagnant right now you know like i'm not making any day-to-day progress it seems like with work work is barely paying the bills mm-hmm. and as a result of me putting so much time into work which i don't put nearly as much as you do but it's such a big part of my day. I don't have time to do all these projects as much as I, as I'd like to. And I also feel like if I did give all my all to these projects, it would, it would speed up progress in my everyday life if I could find a way to, but I I don't know. I I just feel, I feel stuck. I always feel stuck. Yeah. I'm always, and if I'm not feeling stuck, I'm, I feel like I'm moving backwards. I mean, is there anything in your life right now that is giving you like giving you life, you know, like, is there anything going on that is giving you life? Mostly this, in a sense. This yeah. is, if, if I didn't have this, fuck, man. I don't know what I'd be doing. Right. It's, the rest of my life is so non, it's not fun. Hmm. <laughs> it's so, yeah, so I don't know. Um, this, I would like to start meeting new people, new yeah. collaborators and whatnot. I mean, I think whenever you're stuck for, in, part of it is like my own personality is like, I just really enjoy new things, Mm -hmm. you know, like learning new things and experiencing new things. And like, like I always like, like inviting a little bit of chaos into my world to like, you know, shake things things up. Yeah. Keep things moving. Cause, um, my fear, like my like deep seated, like fear. And this like, you know, is a part of my personality kind of deep down is that like, I'm really worried about like, stagnating yeah. you know i'm really worried that like i will crystallize into a person before my life is done and just be like going through the motions yeah and, like that's not what i want to do and that there's you know? there's some similarities in between that and working out i found because i've recently restarted working out and eating healthy and all that stuff um but when you're it's easy to keep momentum going than to start getting than oh, to yeah. build momentum oh, yeah. you know and so if your life is stagnant it's hard to break through that yeah, and get the ball rolling. That's inertia. Yeah, and it's I mean, it's that's like a very like that's what that's what inertia feels like. Yeah, like you know we talk about inertia as like a physical thing that happens to objects in the world, mm-hmm. but like from the inside, like that's what inertia feels yeah. like. Yeah, is like yeah. it takes so much more energy to get the ball rolling than it is to keep it. Maintained. Yeah, that's yeah. such an interesting concept. So yeah. yeah, right now I'm just trying to think of what what could be done to get the ball rolling because in my life it's so fucking plain and flat and uneventful and yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and I think, yeah, for me, it's always something new. And, like, I've been in situations, like, so there's a part of me that, like, seriously reject rejects that, like, stagnant part of yeah. life. And, like, to my own detriment at times, because, like, even when I'm in a place, you know, I used to have a job. I was doing something I was good at. I, I enjoyed it. kind of, like, kind of fulfilling working at the print shop. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was making a good amount of money, had great benefits. But, like, something in my psychology was, like, this is somehow crushing you yeah. like it was like there wasn't anything new happening and like i at first i experienced it as like this almost like knee jerk like i started like disliking people around me and i started mm-hmm. like resenting my work and like i know what know, all of those like, things are like yeah and like <laughs> and like i would just like come home and feel like really bad and like just want to go out to the bar and like, mm-hmm. all, like it would just it just was like this reactive thing of like i can't like something is wrong yeah. you know and like i eventually you know worked through that and like tried to you know like reflect on it and be like like i just can't be here no matter how good it is and like 
you know, I was pretty good at my job and I talked to my manager who I was so close to and I worked so well with and learned so much from, like mm-hmm. learned so much about life from, not just like yeah. my job. And like, you know, you know, they wanted me to stay and like, like they offered me a raise. They, they gave me a raise and like, it was nice for a bit, but like it just, that didn't solve the problem. Yeah. And I was just like, I got, I have to leave. Like, I just have to quit. Like, and I'm, I was starting to cause issues with like my coworkers and stuff. Cause I just couldn't handle it. Um, and like I, I dropped the job and I, you know, switched gears in life and it made things a little bit harder and I had to do yeah. a little bit more work, but like, I just needed that, you know? Yeah. And it like kind of sucks <laughs> cause like, if I had taken advantage of it at the time, like I could have probably set myself up to do more art and be yeah. more creative, but like something deep down just wasn't, I couldn't deal with it. And yeah. it's just, it's, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing for sure. But I just had to like listen to myself in that respect. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah I don't know. Um, I don't really know where to go from here in my, in my life. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's always sounded to me like you haven't really been able to find a, a home in any structured job that you've had. And yeah. again, I think it's part of like having to answer to someone. Maybe I don't, I don't know what it yeah, is. It's, for it's, you. Uh, it's, I don't want to accept that it's home. I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to be part of that, you know? Right. And I think maybe that me, works against I, me. But. I say this a lot to you is that like your job like, has to be a part of your life. Yeah, yeah. Like, cause you know, I, I, we just, did I say this to you yesterday of like, we, I mean, we said it several times mm-hmm. that, you know, eight hours a day is, is most of your life. Yeah. It, most well, of your waking it's life. It's a, yeah, it's a third yeah. of, it's a third of your, if you sleep eight hours, it's a yeah. third of your time yeah. and half of your waking life. Yeah. So, like, and then it has residual effects on the hours that you're not working. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah, I mean, even the week, yeah, it bleeds into the weekend, like, you know, all yeah. the stuff we were talking about. So like, if you don't, accept it at least as a part of your life as like like you are living during those eight hours so make yeah. sure that you're okay with the way you're <laughs> yeah, living you yeah know? and like it seems like you just haven't been able to do that you know like when and like you know even in all the service jobs i've worked i really enjoyed working at hattie's in seattle mm-hmm. like at the bar like it was a way for me to like feel like i was a part of the community and like to meet new people and to like experience new things and like you know even when i worked pizza delivery or um, when I, my first job was at dairy queen it's like i like became a part of that job mm-hmm. you know i didn't like take it on as an identity but like i enjoy the people i worked with and like we had good times and we'd hang out after work it was like yeah. they just had to be maybe those are the aspects life. that i'm discounting when i'm thinking of being sucked into the machine and being part of i i, I don't think of the camaraderie and the late nights working together and then going yeah. out afterwards and yeah. you know i mean some people don't have that in their yeah. nine to five. in fact actually i'd say in nine to five jobs again those are all not nine like they're not like literal yeah. nine to five yeah. so you know just like work but like in the nine to five jobs, I feel like it's harder for someone, at least my mm-hmm. kind of particular mind and personality to like, like when I worked at the print shop, like, mm-hmm. you know, I would work that job and most of my coworkers were like older, you know, like there's a lot of salespeople there and stuff. And I had a couple peers my age, but like we didn't jive so much cause like we didn't all, we didn't have the same kind of like lifestyle, like that work had nothing to do with our lifestyle, yeah. you know? Um, so, you know, we would maybe hang every once in a while or something, but it wasn't like a real fulfilling yeah. type of hang, hang out. And my, I learned from my older coworkers, but I didn't like didn't necessarily live life with them. So I would work that job and then go home and like have a whole separate life. And yeah. it was very disconnected. And, you know, I'd go out with friends or I'd, you know, go to the bar by myself and just hang out and read and stuff. Um, and I think it was a bit, maybe the, the disjointedness was part of it. And I feel like with nine to fives, unless you work in like a young area like the tech sector or something yeah. or where you just have peers more of your 
age group and mm -hmm. mindset, like maybe it's easier, but I feel like that does alienate you a little bit more from. Do it. you think you're, um, uh, would you consider yourself a disciplined person? Uh, no, I don't yeah. think I'm disciplined. I think I'm really good at forming habits. Yeah. <laughs> so I just try and like work that to my advantage. Yeah. Of, like set myself up for like positive habits. Cause I always wonder how much of my unhappiness and lack of progress is due to my lack of discipline. Mm. Um, you said that before. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I'm so unhappy with my weight. Okay. Be more disciplined about your eating habits and about how often you work out. I'm so unhappy with the time that I have to work on art. Okay. Maybe wake up earlier, get the important stuff done earlier, and then you'll have time for your art. And man, the, the, the days feel so short when they're filled with your work, you know? Yeah. They feel so short because even in the morning before work, you're just prepping to go to work. And then after work, you're so tired when you get off. Yeah. I think that's where like for me and like, I think for you, I think it's learning about what's stopping you from being motivated to work yeah. out more. What's stopping you from waking up early in the morning. When I was at my most creative, I had the weirdest sleeping cycle where like I would get up at like two, three in the morning. Mm -hmm. Like I would fall asleep maybe a little early cause I was tired and then wake up two, three in the morning and like have a smoke and like work on art and watch, you know, anime or TV yeah. or whatever I had going on. I was living alone at the time. Um, but like that would just be like my working time was like my random wake up in the middle of the night or yeah. like wake up super, but it wasn't like, I was like, okay, wake up at two o'clock in the morning or like yeah. wake up at, you just know, happened to, it just happened, yeah. you know? And like, um, when I, even when I was working at the print shop, um, you know, I would get home and I would have a routine again. Like I, I, I have a real, like for better or worse ability to like cement habits really quickly mm. and like kind of yeah. get into the flow. Like I always try and ride whatever wave I'm on. And, you know, it was like, I'd get home and like, you know, if I I'd check in with friends or with my partner and like, and if I was feeling like going out, I would, you know, I had like the neighborhood bar I could walk to, which yeah. is so great about Seattle is that like, I, I felt so connected to my neighborhood that like, I'd be like, I'm just going to go down for a drink. And like, mm -hmm. I'd go and I'd read and yeah. read it, you know, read and I'd get into like this mind state and it would just get the juices flowing. And like, I was like hanging out at a place I liked. I was doing something that like I felt was fulfilling and productive mm -hmm. and it usually would lead to doing something creative. Yeah. Like that was always kind of what sparked it a little yeah, bit. And that's, that's where I get a little bit stuck in the creative aspect, which is like everybody says to, you know, create some form of art. You actually have to have a life that you're living right. outside right. of that. And that's yeah. another area where I feel like my artwork is so stagnated because I'm not living a life outside of that. So right. it's like, I have nothing to draw from. Well, and that was so great. The thing that was so great about working in the service industry was that like, you are always meeting new people. Or when yeah. I always went down to the bar, like sometimes I'd go to the bar, you know, and I'd maybe talk to the bartender a little bit. And I'm not a very like, uh, I don't talk a ton, yeah. you know? So we'd have little conversations and slowly they would get to know me. And sometimes it would spark and sometimes it wouldn't. And like a lot of the times I would just go to the bar, I'd have a few drinks and I'd read and then I'd, you know, walk home or whatever. Mm -hmm. But every once in a while I'd meet somebody and like, they wouldn't be the most interesting person, but it would be this whole perspective I never thought about before. Yeah. And I would just like take that in. That's why I've, I've, I've thought about, um, and now that I'm vaxxed, maybe this is a possibility. I would like to start doing podcasts with like Elderly randos. people. Oh, oh, oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> what did you say? I said randos. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. People from but, the bar. <laughs> but it's it's crazy because any, but even randos, anybody you meet, pretty much every person on the earth has some weird yeah. history oh or gosh. stories to tell Dude, you. Again, like we said, yeah. like there are some absurd people out there. Yeah. But it's just like, I, I'm just so fascinated by like, how do you think this way? You know, like I, I <laughs> yeah, accept it yeah. as like, this is, you know, this is another person who's yeah. like 
gone through so much life that this is where they're at. Yeah. Like, and I just want to understand how that serial happens. killers. Well, yeah. I mean, again, that's an extreme, and yeah, I mean, yeah. that's a whole other moral thing. But like, yeah, 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 yeah. There's something that made them that way. Yeah. There's a yeah. there's a causal chain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the causal chain doesn't have to be a necessary one, but it, it's a possible one. Yeah. So. Um, I'm trying to think. Tiger Belly does this. Um, unhelpful advice segment which is like the closing segment i'm trying to think if there's any if we could start doing a closing segment i wonder what um maybe we can talk about you know i always think about that's kind of where the whole never seen it stuff comes in is mm-hmm. what what media is currently affecting me most in my life oh. and, or what media i'm trying to get through right now yeah like as a way of like making sense of my world we can talk about it's hard for me because mine's mostly family guy <laughs> or, or I mean, it's a, it's your podcast too, though. Yeah, like, yeah. I feel like so much of your worldview comes from the people you listen to. And actually, yeah. I was thinking, you know, we kind of talked about um, the whole controversy around certain podcasters, like Joe Rogan, mm-hmm. um, um, and how like people say you shouldn't be getting your advice from them anyway, and the blowback from them giving advice that is maybe controversial and things like that. Um, and I was thinking about it, and you know, we talked about it in terms of like, well, yeah, if that's who you're getting your advice from, like. Maybe it's not the best advice. Yeah. But that's how you construct your worldview. But I was also thinking, like, who should we be getting our advice from? Yeah. Like, because, like, there isn't a, an agreed upon, like, even even to say, like, you should listen to the scientists. It's like, really? Do we all agree on that? Like, yeah. and is that where we should be getting our information there was a, from? You know, I, think like, Va- I think Fauci himself, don't, uh, you can fact check me on this, but I think Fauci himself said, if you are contesting Fauci, you are contesting science. Ugh. See, it's nobody like, is science. It's like, what the fuck does that mean, dude? It's like when people say... That's like, I'm infallible. Like, well, yeah, yeah, and it's like when people say, like, well, science says... It's like, no, there is no, yeah. like, board of yeah. science who says, yeah. like, oh, yeah, this is, science currently has this opinion. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 that's not how science works. It's a yeah. very democrat- de- de- democratic, yeah. like, field, field, you know, like... They, um, and as yeah. far as who should we be listening to, and this is why I mostly, and actually probably almost exclusively listen to comedian podcasts comedians what are they if not funny semi-philosophers you know Hmm. they're they're breathing in the world around them and then processing it through their own experiences and shooting it back out and and it's just in a funny manner right and um but they're also good and bad philosophers oh yeah (laughs) yeah yeah but um i don't know like who yeah I yeah, mean, when, when, I was, when I was thinking about it, I was like, you know, we, we can say that you maybe you shouldn't be listening to a comedian, but it's like a lot of people trust Joe Rogan. Yeah. Like in yeah. terms of like where they get their information from, he's a very trustworthy person to them. Yeah. So yeah. like he is giving advice to people who trust him. Yeah. And they are going to take that advice and run with it because they trust him. Yeah. Like they trust him more than a scientist they've never met. Yeah. So yeah. like. Or I definitely trust them more than fucking Bill O'Reilly or some sure. talking head on a news right, channel. Exactly. But some yeah. people trust those people. Some yeah. people trust Tucker Carlson, you know, and it's like, it's like, that's where they get the information. But not from. even just on the right side, on the left side too. You totally. get a bunch of yeah. nutbags who I have a whole industry agree. machine right. on them. Yeah. So I think it's just like, again, we have to think about like where our information streams are coming from. And like th- those people have to admit that, you know, if they said as a joke, like go like get this person or yeah. go after this person that people would listen to them and take them seriously. Like yeah. even yeah. if it was out of context, even if it was X, Y, Z, like that they, they carry weight due to who they are, yeah. you know? And I think that's, you know, again, it's like they aren't responsible for the action, but mm-hmm. they can't deny they have an effect. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So.
but yeah, I mean, sorry, that's a kind of a dig, 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 digress from the conversation. Yeah. But yeah. like, um, um, yeah, I am trying to think of, and we can edit any of this out because I'm just kicking my my brain's kind of dead on honestly. Hmm. Haven't been too great this this. Episode. Well, maybe like, what's a media? What's a movie? Oh. What's a book that you yeah. have that you are wanting to read or have recently heard about or I don't know. Hmm. God, my mind, my life has been so uneventful. I don't think I've, I think I've just been getting by. Mm-hmm. And especially with this heat, I think we've all just been yeah. trying to make it through the day. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. I'll let you go first on that. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, well, Clementine, I just watched this movie, Woman in the Window, mm. which was kind of like a thriller based on this novel by this ridiculous person. <laughs> I've learned so much about this person. Clementine read this book, Woman in the Window. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, this like kind of thriller mystery about this kind of like a, Disturbia, which is based on Rear Window by like oh, is Alfred it really? Hitchcock. Well, I mean, it's like a similar sort of story. Basically, it's like a voyeurism kind of thing. Yeah, it's like yeah. so this woman and woman in the window. She's an agoraphobic person who's stuck in her home. Mm. So she like, lives her life through what she sees through. Well, the she just windows. ends up kind of seeing things around her, and she has yeah. her own trauma, and that's part of the story too. Where like you're not sure if she's really experiencing the world in a, in like or like kind of hallucinating some certain things. Um, but it's yeah, this thriller written by this guy. I don't know if his name's actually AJ Finn or if that's his pen name. Um, but like I learned Clementine read the book, loved it. And mm. I watched the movie and it is like a very engaging, you know, thrilling movie. Um, but the guy who wrote it like is like this guy who kind of has just lied his way through life. Mm. Like he's gotten into schools and he's gotten like jobs by just lying to the people yeah. he's talked to. And like it's worked. And he wrote this book that was like an international bestseller. Um, kind of going through that ladder and like clearly he's good at making stories but he's also like legitimately lied That's probably why he's good at making stories. maybe yeah yeah but like he clearly just has this like altered sense of how the world is yeah. and how he should comport himself in the world anyway it's such a interesting tale of his life that not only did he write this book that like was an international bestseller but like they are now and they made a movie off of it but they are now also making a movie about him oh this you're talking in real life this is a guy i thought it was a character oh no no, no, no. sorry book. sorry oh so crazy. in the in the story it's just about this woman this agoraphobic woman who like thinks she sees like a murder happen and you're not sure if it happened or you yeah. know, what was going on um and there's that whole mystery of the book uh-huh. but then the guy who wrote the book is also this like crazy guy who like yeah lied his yeah. way through life um and it's such an interesting story about him that they made a movie about his book, which was like a big settler, but they're also making a movie about him. Huh? Cause like, and it's like, I don't know. It's just crazy kind yeah. of weird. Like, is he still alive? He's still alive. He's, I think he's a pretty young guy, but like, it was just really interesting to what hear What did he that. lie about in his own life so much? Just like, so like, I think he got into a school. I can't remember all the details and I might mis- mis- be misquoting some things, but he got into school and got, or got scholarship or something. Um, by like saying like his mother was like, he had just gone through all this trauma mm. and like his mother had died and like he had gone through this hard life. And he's given like speeches at, at like schools and stuff yeah. about this traumatic life he's lived and how interesting his life has been and how it's impacted his career. And like none of it's happened. Like his mom's still alive and all this <laughs> stuff. And like in, in he, he was working as a publisher or like an editor or something yeah. at like a book company and then eventually wrote his own book. Um, and I don't know all the details, but um, it was so interesting to me because like it kind of seems really sleazy and it makes me want to yeah. be like well should people be reading this guy's book or like or this guy, did this guy rise <laughs> yeah. to the top legitimately but like the book was a bestseller and then I think about like the people who are in the movie because the movie is stacked with yeah. with actors you know it's Amy Adams and Julianne Moore and Gary Oldman oh wow yeah it's like a big cast and I think I 
think Jake Gyllenhaal might be playing him in the movie about him it's, or something. It's so weird. But it's like he was like he kind of got there illegitimately. But yeah. like I, there was something compelling or there's something like he actually wrote something that people were interested in. And now he's like made a big success off of it. That's very yeah. interesting you're talking about this guy because I listened to a podcast with Liza, Eliza Schlesinger. She's mm -hmm. a comedian. Mm -hmm. Schlesinger. I don't know how to say it. Um, and she was talking about she's actually I think there she's making her own movie. And it's about actually she did make her own movie. It's about a boyfriend she had for three months who was initially just her friend. And she was she actually really didn't want to date him. Mm -hmm. But he, she the, the movie is essentially about that. The guy you're saying, because um, she had to break up with him and stop and cut off all contact with him because she later found out that everything about his life was a lie. So they met, I think, like on a plane or something. And he said, yeah, I work at a this big firm like this like economist kind of thing mm -hmm. and he's they said he was wealthy and like he had like really nice car and stuff and um so he lies about all this stuff in his life and it turns out he's working this like low-level job right um and he's like yeah i just bought this house and she goes to the house and it's like i'm his the, there's a girl at the door she's like i'm his roommate like this he doesn't own this house <laughs> and then he's like the way he like guilted her into dating him because she said i she s flat out said i have no interest in dating you he pulled like the sympathy sympathy card and said, yeah, my mom has cancer and all this stuff. Shit, yeah. yeah. And so she like became close to him, like in a nurturing way and they ended up dating. And then she finds out like, he doesn't have the job that he's saying. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have this nice car and nice house that he's saying. His right. mom doesn't have cancer. And it's like, God, how do you live your entire right. life around yeah. built on a lie? And then it's like the momentum. And then, so she didn't speak to him. And all she did to end things was like, you're a fucking liar. Everything you've ever said to me is a lie. And he responded, I know. Right. <laughs> and it's like, what kind of person yeah. like thinks like that's the way you live life? It's, it's insecurity. And it's but, like, but yeah. the only thing that really keeps on going is the fact that it works. And, and like it, the like, momentum of not letting up on the lie because sure. you'll yeah. be caught, you know? Right. Yeah. You'll be found yeah. out to be a fraud. Um, yeah. but yeah, like, I don't a... like the thing about this guy that who wrote that book that I was talking about is like, you know, he probably, he made tons of money off the book. Mm -hmm. And then he probably made a ton of money for them to make it into a movie. And yeah. then people found out all this stuff about him. Their articles were about him. But the book is a nonfiction, right? Yeah, it's a nonfiction. And so, book. I mean, there's... No, yeah. And it was like a book that people loved and it was yeah. interesting and all this stuff. And Clementine read it before we knew any of that. And it was like, mm -hmm. yeah, it was a really compelling book. But then, like, there's all these articles written about how he was, like, such a fraud. Yeah. And then I'm sure he made money off of oh. selling his story yeah. to be made into a movie. God, and it's crazy. like, who... That's really fake like, it. What a weird, valid, what a weird make it. validation of, yeah. of like his way of living life. Yeah. Like, you know, you hope that person gets their comeuppance of like, yeah. they lose it all. But yeah. like, no, it seems like, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is. There's like, it's like a weird validation. And then one day you become president. Exactly, you right? Know, and fucking, like, what the most validating thing... I'm the most like, successful businessman. Everything right? I touch turns to gold. And it's like, no, you're fucking in debt and your companies are closing. But it doesn't yeah. matter because And then you create a big it. phallic building made out of gold to <laughs> symbolize all of your... He literally has gold buildings. Uh, it's like... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's the that's yeah. thing. I just, I just watched that last night and it's like, that's kind of been running through my head. And yeah. It was just an interesting story. And I was like, it just made me think about how like... Like what a controversial, what just like a weird story about this person who seems to like had have no uh, moral or like they have. There's no comeuppance for them. Yeah, you know? there's no like. Yeah. there's no lesson learned. I don't think. <sighs> I don't know. He's lucky, I guess. I guess I don't know. <laughs> just like it's another weird, weird, yeah. weird quirk of the world. You know, he just yeah. like kind of. It's like when somebody like trips and falls into success. You yeah, know? yeah. Know. That's what I'm hoping to do. <laughs> Aren't we all? Yeah. Um.
Hmm. Trying to think of a way to close this out. Well, Again, my brain is mush. Well, so I don't know. This made me think a quote that I wanted to say earlier or an idea that I wanted to say earlier. It's like, I consider myself a patriotic person. And I think like there are a lot of great American thinkers out there and to kind of maybe bring it all the way back to the beginning when you talked about dreams and hallucinations and yeah. ghosts and things like that. Um, John Dewey, who's, uh, you know, he's kind of known for his stuff on education, uh, American thinker, philosopher type person. Um, what he said about dreams um, was that dreams are just as real as our everyday life. Yeah. They just have a different relation to the world than hmm. our waking experiences. Yeah. So it's what does that like, mean exactly, though? Just that, like, we shouldn't discount dreams as if yeah. they're, like, not real because yeah. they affect us. They have some meaning. And they come, they, they spring from our own mind. Yeah. It's yeah. just that they don't, we don't deal with them in the same way like you know i let's say i have a dream that like my friend was mad at me yeah. right it's very real and very meaningful that i had that dream it just i don't go to my friend the next day and say why why are you mad at, you mad at yeah. me well some women do that when they, some people do yeah <laughs> you and, cheated on me and, and that's where it's like this you know yeah and whenever anybody says stuff like that i'm like yeah. well that's you thinking that like yeah yeah <laughs> there's something that Projecting. you got you got to like think about yeah. because you're the one but or do this. you or or is that dream completely debased from reality well and that's know? what i think that's what dewey is saying is that like it's not that it's it's not that it's not real yeah because it is real yeah i mean you experience it and it probably affected you like and that's probably why people bring it up is like you cheated on me in my dream yeah is because it affected them yeah they had to react yeah. to it. like last night i had a dream that like i was in this field by the river with archie my dog mm -hmm. and like there were all these wild animals you know and in, in the field behind us and then we were trying to get out of the field and we, I was like trying to get him to follow me, but he kept mm -hmm. like going up to these other animals and he got like stung by this porcupine. Yeah. And then there was this bear that like, like grabbed a hold of him and threw him. And it was like a traumatizing dream, you yeah. know? And like, I woke up, you know, and I know it's not real, you know, but it's like, it makes me wonder like, what am I feeling? That'd be so funny like, if you and Arthi, Archie both woke up at the same time. Like, <laughs> did you see that shit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that fucking bear. <laughs> but Archie has been like, he's been feeling a little neglected and like, he's been in an odd mood the past couple of days, even of like, he's been really kind of needy. And like, I think the heat is killing him, oh, God, you know? Yeah. And like, you know, there's probably my own receptiveness to his attitude. That's put that stuff in my mind. But like, it's not that like that dream means nothing it just it just doesn't mean i should be worried about archie getting mauled by a bear tomorrow yeah it just means that like maybe there's something and going also maybe it maybe it only means what you perceive it to mean like you you know yeah. you 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 maybe you can assign the meaning behind it and i think yeah. life is that way too like you know it's like someone can step on some poop in the in the yeah. in the bathroom <laughs> and it can be a hilarious thing or it can be a, yeah a life like yeah and it's it can ruin funny. your day you it's know, so right? funny or, or it could do both yeah because it could be so angry or it could be like i don't know you it's could. um well in the moment i was pissed off and i was outside the mcdonald's just like m like muttering just like fucking motherfucker yeah. just like wiping well the shit i mean the gravel and, like, human shit is so much worse than something uh, dog poop God, right it's yeah like, yeah if it was dog poop i would just be oh not right a. right yeah but it's human poop, and, like, and i'm just uh, like uh unless a dog went into that bathroom and shit on the floor but i don't think so i doubt that um I know we're trying to wrap up, but um, sorry, I didn't mean to like start a whole other conversation. I no, just, just I'm started. I'm actually gonna do that too just now. Um, even though I'm sorry, guys, my brain is so <laughs> mushed out right now. I'm so the heat is really burning me out. Um, one thing that gave me a lot of peace, and its effect has decreased since I heard it a little bit, but it was so helpful in terms of 
my inner peace when I heard it. It's another Duncan. Duncan Trussell is just such a beautiful. He is being. such an interesting. I don't. I don't he's, know much about. You got to listen to his podcast. He's, he's so insightful, he, yeah. and he would go on these week uh, yearly retreats with Ram Das, who's just like the most. Ram Das. Ram Das. He's um. Did he start like a personality type? Thing? No, no he's he's like um. I I wouldn't know how to describe him, but he's. He's a, a very deep thinker, and he was he was all all, all about the acceptance of death and mm. accepting it gracefully and making peace in your day to day life. Um, but the quote Duncan Trussell said was, um, "You know, so many people are in a state of anxiety and you know self hatred and like, because I always say like you alone more than anybody has a a recording." of every shitty mistake you've ever made mm -hmm. any you know anything you've done wrong in your life all the things you your insecurities everything you hate about yourself and that compiles and one thing that really gave me some inner peace was he said you know as fucked up as you are right now if you are in this moment give yourself a break and say and and don't say to yourself you need to get to this point and then you'll be okay or then you're um not forgiven but it, He's like, give yourself a break. Right now, you are everything you need to be. Mm -hmm. You are where you need to be and find peace in that. And extend that break as long as you can and, and wow. appreciate that self-forgiveness. And that, that was like, that provided so much peace to me because yeah. like my whole totally. life, I'm just like, oh, I suck. I'm an asshole. I'm a shitty person. Right. Like all this stuff. Just to, to like, you would never you would never go to a friend of yours and hold over their head every mistake or transgression they've given right. to you, right? Or uh, uh, action they've taken to you. You would never just hold on to that and throw it in their face every second. They wouldn't be your friend. Right. How are you gonna be your, a friend to yourself if you're constantly holding everything you've done over your own head? You'll never find inner peace that way. Right. And it's a weird thing because it's like, there's something to self-flagellation. It's like, you mm -hmm. need to, you it know. It keeps you going. Yeah. yeah. Um, but at a certain point, yeah, you do need to, it becomes detrimental. Yeah, yeah. At a certain point it's holding you back and not only that, maybe even solidifying some of those things and, and yeah. crystallizing them, making you a worse person. Right. Um, and so, yeah, the act, uh, this is a huge divergence from anything we've talked about, but yeah, that was just something I found very helpful yeah. and it's not something I'm used to. I'm, I, I live in the, in the realm of yeah like self-hatred like yeah. yeah i'm a piece of shit i i revel in that yeah yeah somebody said to me once um because i i can be self-deprecating a lot too mm -hmm. you know and somebody said to me describe yourself as if your best friend were describing you oh and i initially wanted to be like well they probably just say like i'm a nice person but like you know not very interesting or i'm a nice person yeah. but like you know something else that's self-deprecating yeah and i thought about it i'm like well you know what they probably wouldn't be my friend unless they thought something good of me yeah right yeah so if i was really authentic and answered that question my best friend would probably talk me up yeah a little bit oh yeah so most like definitely. so like i was like okay let me try and describe myself by talking myself up yeah you know and that and it really kind of changed the way i thought about it for sex i was like well if i had a best friend you know they probably you know think highly of me in some respects so what would they think highly of me for they probably say oh yeah he's a really good artist and yeah. like he's pretty smart and he teaches me new things like yeah. and i was like 
I never say that about myself. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. But like, just like changing that perspective. Or even, really I, I don't know if you bit. include, if Clem would be your best friend, but like, or your spouse. Sure, how would exactly. You, someone right. who loves you more than right. anybody, how would they describe you? And yeah. they, they wouldn't make a list of all terrible things yeah or no not even terrible but shitty things because or, if they thought that they wouldn't be around you yeah <laughs> you and know? when uh Tennille came and she was speaking about people who are homeless and they're like you know people view them as such a you know like um an annoyance or whatever and like a problem it's like and or or people who are drug addicts and they come into their facility and it's like she she pointed to heather and she's like heather is mm-hmm. smart and funny, helpful yeah. and funny and beautiful and she's like if i could choose anything to right. attribute to that person why can't i choose one of those right exactly and it's so hard to do that to your own self yeah you know it is to to like duncan trussell said give yourself a fucking break yeah that is to me in my own life that's probably the hardest thing to do because right. on, on 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 a daily basis for the most parts it's just me adding up the blocks of all the things i ch- ch- should have done but didn't do or all the mistakes right. that i made in that day that i could have avoided and instead of and yeah, and those things don't have to like. There's maybe some truth to that or something, but like again, it's all your orientation. So just like maybe for a day, just turn around and yeah. look at the other blocks. Yeah, that yeah. are there. You know, like yeah, just like face in a different direction for yeah. a day. Yeah, for a day. Yeah, or even an hour, as as whatever increment that you can yeah. you can stand, and then turn around and do another thing. Drunken Trussell said, which is tend to the part of the garden you can touch. Yeah, and that's a great way to close it out, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it was that was a, a pretty good one. Yeah, I liked yeah. it. It was yeah. good. I, it would have been better. But you're not going to sing the outro music? <laughs> <laughs>